I'm happy to have a break and to talk about the show. And um, yeah, we've been wanting to talk about this for a while. And I felt like I probably needed some time to sit and process it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But everyone's reaction to it has been very, very like um, inspiring in a way. (laughs) And everyone that I hear that kind of messages me, they're like, oh my gosh, this episode. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it was really, really great. And um, yeah, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. So let's get this started. Real snobs. Hi, everybody. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> How are you all? Um, I am Cicely Joy, and I am here with the fabulous Kalina Michelle. Hey, Hey, girl. girl. (laughs) What's going on? Uh, This show was going on. This show, I don't know what I'm going to do when this show is done. We have three more episodes, and I'm like, uh, what? Uh, TV is just not going to be the same. Yeah, I agree. But it's, there's some stuff coming down the pipe. We could talk about that after we're finished. But the pressure, the pressure. For yeah. Them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we'll get into that in a bit. Uh, but for tonight, we will be discussing um, Lovecraft Country, episode seven. I am. I am. That's. Oh, yeah, that's the name of the, the episode. <laughs> I was like, you are what? <laughs> I am talking about the show. Yeah. <laughs> Follow me. Yeah. Um, you know, this, oh my goodness. Um, I will just start off by saying, and it, I don't know if you want to do the recap and I chime in or what, but it doesn't matter. As I was watching the show and I'm trying to take my notes and stuff, I'm like, how am I going to explain this? How, how am I going? I don't think we need how, to explain how... it so much because there's a lot of, um, people that are doing really in-depth analyses of these different episodes out there like it's an easy google search but i will say that um i think there are certain things personally that i wanted to point out um um, yeah i just want to get i want to get right into it i'm excited we got to talk about it all right so let's do that um yeah so uh, we've been waiting for this episode for a while because this one is featuring it's it's following Hippolyta. Mm-hmm. Um, Hippolyta. Do I say Hippolyta? Or it's Hippolyta? Hippo- what is I think it? you said Hippolyta. I think that's okay. how they're pronouncing it, which okay. is a very, very interesting name. I have not heard that name before. No. Um, I don't know if it's an African American name. I don't. Know. It's very Negroish. <laughs> no, you didn't. See, <laughs> here we go. Negresh. No, it is. It's lighter. It is. It's. I think it's definitely African American origin. I mean, you know, obviously, it's the, actually it, Greek. The, they're saying the, the yeah, it's from um, Hippo, the Hippocratic Oath, and all that stuff. So the origins are Greek, but like how we have taken various names and create a um a americanized name i don't know how you want to put it but that is that's very african-american of us you have to use a greek name like that 
Yeah, or also, and maybe I may be wrong with this, but I feel like we have perfected the art of taking a masculine word or a masculine name and making a feminine version of it. Mm -hmm. Like, there's, think of a lot of um, old-timey, and I'm putting air quotes up there, old-timey names um, that a lot of African-American women have had, Mm -hmm. like Georgina, Oh, that's not really African-American, but I'm just right, saying, right. like, as an as example, there was a whole article I read where it was showing, uh, it was more of a, a satire, but it was talking about some of the most extraordinary feminized names mm-hmm. that really, you know, came from someone expecting a boy, but then they, they got a girl and then they weren't as creative <laughs> with figuring out a full name. So they just feminized whatever male name that they had. I find so, I find it interesting that the Greek myth- mythological Hippolyta was actually considered queen of the Amazons. Oh, there was a name like Hippolyta. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. But that said, the fact that they consider her the queen of the Amazons that makes so much sense for this episode. So yes, um, that does. Yeah. So oh, I'm wow. gonna let's go right into it. Let's go. You you can start. All right. So this. Um, this episode actually starts off the opening scene starts off with Hippolyta um, in um, her room trying to figure out how to open this orrery and if you don't remember the orrery was basically this uh, model of the um, solar system that she confiscated or stole from um, Letty's house um, that she found so it's pretty much kind of like this puzzle she was trying to figure out through all these equations are these like coordinates and all this stuff and um it starts off there and then it jumps back that scene jumps backwards three days where we know that Hippolyta was on the road um turning around to um when uh her daughter D mm-hmm. held up a map um to show where George may have gone to mm-hmm. So in the previous episode, they were heading home and Hippolyta turned the car around and she's like, I'm going to go get some answers. And so we're, uh, we're given this scene where she actually is standing in the ruins of the Braithwaite mansion um, that, you know, burned down from an earlier episode, episode two, I believe. Um, and as she's going through these ruins, she finds a symbol in the charred wood, like a, a wood panel um, that's also on the Ori. Mm-hmm. Um, so she also finds a rolled up comic that D, her daughter, drew for George that confirms that they were there. Um, so then it goes back to, I guess, present time where she figures out the Ori, um, the whatever the puzzle, mm-hmm. and then she opens it and it reveals a key and a clue. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what the clue said, but it was, it was basically just some kind of, um, I will say a little bit of a riddle. (laughs) I don't remember what it was either. And then, yeah, to me, it wasn't really that um, important, but then we go into the title sequence, which again, I like to, um, pay attention to. And the title sequence is just, um, a kind of silhouette of the Ori with the icon of the comic heroine that D drew in the comic that I think she gave George. So that really um once you see the episode all that makes sense mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot more than at the beginning of the episode. But 
already you're knowing that you're going to be in for a very interesting ride. Um, so the next scene goes to Christina Braithwaite's house. Um, she's now in the basement. If you don't remember the previous episode ended with, um, Ruby kind of confronting Christina who now we know, um, she was, um, using a potion to pose as Will Mm -hmm. or William. Um, So now we are in the basement, the basement that they've locked up, that Ruby was wondering what's going on in the basement, all that. And we see the bodies of William and Hillary, who you, Kalina, were correct. I was, wasn't I? Hillary, yeah. Hillary is the same person that was from that old town that was um, keeping the dogs and that... Uh, keeping um, Montrose yeah. prisoner, I guess. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she was their same person because I did look up the actress and that actress played yeah. both roles. Um, so the, we see the bodies in the basement and they're basically, the bodies itself, the people are dead, but the bodies are kept um, alive, quote unquote alive, in the basement because uh, for the potion, uh, Christina needs mm-hmm. their blood. So... Um, like they're preserved. She... Yeah, exactly. Um, they're pretty much on life support, but for them, for all t- intents and purposes, they're dead. Um, so Christina th- explains to Ruby basically how she seduced William to get um, to get him to teach the spell, since obviously being a, a woman, she is not allowed to be a part of the the, the uh, order of Adam or sons of Adam or whatever yeah. they're called, and. Um, so as she's learned these spells, um, she also tells Ruby the truth of her agenda, you know, um, trying to obtain the pages, how Ruby's family's connected, all that. So basically just now getting Ruby on board with everything she's trying to do. And for the most part, trying to make her an ally with this mission that she's yeah. trying. It's so sad that I don't trust Christina at all because Mm-mm. if history has shown black people anything unfortunately is that white people are always going to have their own agenda and they'll use us toward those means and I, yeah. at first you're thinking when she's talking to Ruby like you know I you know they were talking she was like why did you even try to be a man like you made love to me as a man and she was like no everything I did and said it was all me and you know like kind of professing this yeah. like love for her in a way or this this kind of respect for her. Bond. Yeah, like trying to make them, <laughs> them bond. But I just, I don't trust her because I feel like because at when, the I end, mean, she's going to sacrifice her it, too. There, there's no reason that Christina has um, to uh, connect or bond with Ruby other than her connection to the family and her... Um, her ability to help her get what she wants. That's all. Like, what other reason would yeah, she have? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah, let's keep so, going. So, yeah, we definitely... <laughs> all right. Um, so, the next scene is now we have Letty, who is dreaming of Tick's ancestor, um, who is now, we know as Hannah okay. is her name. And she's having basically the same dream that Tick had in a previous episode where he is in, uh, or they, they're both in the Braithwaite Manor as it's burning down and they're trying to run toward um, the the front door and they're following Hannah 
who in Letty's dream, Hannah is holding this book and she stops at the door and turns around and Letty is, is um, she stops and she looks down at Letty's belly and Letty puts her hands on her belly. And as she looks down at her belly, you know, she basically starts catching on fire, similar to what Tick did in his dream, where once he kind of stopped, he, yeah. he caught on fire. So subtle differences in the dream and Tick's dream. Um, Hannah wasn't holding a book. She was saying something to him that mm-hmm. he couldn't hear. Um, but in Letty's dream, she wasn't saying anything. She was implying some, pretty much that Letty has a child mm-hmm. in her. Um, and so... When Letty wakes up from that, she goes to find Tick, um, who's basically been up all night trying to translate these pages. And um, Letty tells him about the dream and they realize they share the same dream and that Hannah must be trying to send them a message. Um, So Letty mentions the book that Hannah had in her dream and they realize the book must be um, be. Uh, something the Name. book of the book of book of names yeah the book of names and it's and it's probably with mm-hmm. tick's family um you know like if if hannah had it then it probably has been passed down yeah to tick's family so they decide to basically find out if they have any um, family anywhere that anyone yeah on so they're gonna side. they're gonna figure out yeah they they need they go off to try to um, figure this out in the in the next scene we see montrose Waking up with yeah. his lover, making breakfast, and I, I really wish I can remember uh, his yeah, lover's Sammy. name is Sammy. I, I'm going I want to call, call him the Sammy. bartender all the time. So, yeah, <laughs> I wanted to call him that, but I was like, he needs a name. He's been in enough episodes; yeah. he deserves a name. So, um, Sammy is up cooking um, breakfast, and um, he mentions, like, you know, uh, that he didn't have any food, so he went down to the corner store, and. Um, Montrose is now paranoid because he's like, oh, crap, my neighbors mm-hmm. may have seen him, you know, leave the house and stuff to get food. And he just starts as he sits down to eat the food. He's starting to nitpick a bunch of stuff. He's nitpicking the food. He's he's nitpicking everything as if trying to push yeah. Sammy away. Like, you know, um, a, a kind of that expression of like, OK, back to normal, back to how things were instead of how things yeah. are now. Um, Sammy gets up to leave um, with him, um, leave, and Montrose um, gets up to try to stop him and stop him in the hallway. And he's, you know, holding his hand because he's holding his arm back just as Letty and Tick arrive to see this and pretty much confirming everything that Tick heard about Mm -hmm. his dad. Um, Tick pretty uh, runs off. Yeah, he does. No. He could. no, Sammy, Sammy leaves. leaves. Tick Ooh. confronts his dad, and doesn't Tick start no, punching no, his dad no. or something? There was or no is... physical altercation. Did I just he, make that because up? Because he looked like he was about. He just to. leaves. And he yes, didn't. yeah. But what happened was uh, Montrose because he called him the f word, and he was like, "So is it true? You are a you know?" And then Montrose yes, said, yes, uh, yeah. "You're not going to call me out my name like that. I'm still your dad." Blah blah blah. Yes. And and then he asked if his yeah, mom and then always he said, knew. Yeah, and I and knew he that. Said, yes, I think I called it. I don't know if I said it on this show, but I called it in like episode two or something like that when they finally found Montrose. I said, "Yeah, if I said George is probably actually Tick's dad, but because because his mom probably knew that Montrose was gay." 
Yeah, we were talking about that because they had implied things where I thought that the reason why Tick's mom probably had an affair with George was because Montrose was whether he was because he was an alcoholic or now we know I thought gay or whatever. Um, but we uh, we still haven't gotten confirmation that Tick is George's son. It's just we know that his mom mm. was with George. I think so. Because George was acting like Tick was his real son for real. Yeah, he had the picture so and like, everything. Okay. I mean, it, it wouldn't be surprising, I think. Um, but yeah. yeah, so then, you know, he basically yells at him and stuff. And then Tick, I thought Tick was going to hit him, but he didn't. He just starts storming off, yeah. and, you know goes into the alley he leaves yeah, he to, cool, to down. cool down and all that stuff and um letty follows him and right L- letty yeah well letty before she follows him she asks Info uh, she gets him. the she yeah. follows him and says that she she found out from montrose that uh tick's mom's um family um had three had some cousins just in st louis right. which was three hours away and so um, Tick is just kind of losing it a little bit, but he he starts realizing that growing up, the abuse that he received from his father was never about him. He always thought like he wasn't doing, he wasn't good enough. He was always doing something to make his father angry. And he realized that his the abuse that his dad was giving was because his dad yes. had his own shame and he was l- releasing it on, yeah. on his son. And... Um, yeah, that that has to be like that's that is really profound to kind of figure out. Yeah, because adult. I thought he was um, going to be like manner. most, you know, men tend to do like can't believe my dad's gay and fuck that guy and I hate him and they yeah. you know beat him up and stuff. But he was really just upset because he was like I thought my dad really just didn't love me because of something I did and it was his own. Yeah, that is yeah. That is a revelation that's really hard, but I'm yeah. glad he came to that. Um but yeah, that's, I guess it's going to be relevant later on. But, um, so they got to find yeah. a way to St. Louis at this point. Yes. So the next scene, we see Hippolyta, um, dropping D off, um, at home with Ruby to watch over her while mm-hmm. she's going to hit the road. Um, now that she, oh, so when she opened the Ori, not only did she get a, like a little clue, but it, there were also yeah. important coordinates as well and so she's she is going to follow or go to the location of those coordinates um so while she's getting ready to go on her quote-unquote guide trip that's what she told them um uh tick and letty come because they need the car because they want to go to st louis and she kind of snaps at them and leaves and you know they're like what the hell and um i think letty mentions that um that you know she probably is angry because she she knows that we lied about how George or you know George's death and stuff, and so they have to figure out with uh, Hippolyta taking the car. They have to figure out another way, and um, they decide to take the bus. But Letty decides to stay behind to talk to Ruby because she hasn't really talked to her since um, Ruby since mm-hmm. Ruby moved out of the house, um, and uh, Tick is deciding to just go on okay. alone without her you know what it, i'm reading something so, else too not to um go on a little bit of a um mm-hmm. tangent but apparently there is a character in the marvel universe comic universe called hippolyta as well who is in the universe queen of the amazons 
And because she is, you know, a Greek goddess, she's ageless and immortal. And she can, you know, she can travel the stars and stuff. So it's really interesting. Well, that's really going to connect to a lot of things. Wow. Again, putting a lot of thought behind everything. I love it. So um, now we see Hippolyta. She's on the road and she's heading to the coordinates uh, from the Ori. And I had to look this up because I knew this was going to be important. But as she's on the road, um, she sees a a black woman riding a motorcycle and uh, rides up beside her. And they kind of, you know, connect and see uh, um, and and see each other and pretty much give the equivalent of a head nod, you know, like (laughs) um, I see you whatever and I had to look this up because I was like okay who is this woman Mm -hmm. this woman has to be significant and the woman is her name is uh, Bessie uh, oh crap what was her name Bessie last name too something with S yes I will get back to it but uh, who this woman is it's Stringfield Bessie Stringfield she was um the first African-American woman to ride across the U.S. solo. And she also was a, a war, World War II um, veteran as well. And to me, this, this was significant because there was this sense of freedom. There was a sense of independence. And with, uh, who this character is is someone that yeah. is a pioneer of sorts, you know, and uh, someone that went against the grain, doing something that has never been done before, mm-hmm. but also not really accepted during this time. And as we have grown to see Hippolyta's character in um, the earlier episode, the Indiana Jones like episode, we were uh, information um, was revealed that Hippolyta is one yeah. is extremely smart. She's not just like, I'm just going to be someone's wife. She, she um, yeah. named a comet. <laughs> um, and she, she has a fascination with, physics and astrophysics and all of these things and as we were seeing how she was trying to figure out this orrery that she is extreme mathematician like i'm sitting here like what is she talking about and i was like this is great yeah she was very and so there's so much more to her and um there and we from how we've seen her thus far and even her interactions with George, who basically told her, no, you need to stay home. I don't want you on the road with me because it's dangerous. It's like she's being held back. She's being stifled. And so that, you know, seeing um, Bessie Stringfield on the road with her was kind of this like validation of freedom that I'm sure she was feeling at the time. Um, So Dee left, um, uh, pack, I think there was like mm-hmm. a little packed lunch in the car um, and Dee left one yeah. of her comics with her um, you know as she always did with George yeah. when he had to go on the road <clears throat> so now um, next thing we find um, Tick arriving in St. Louis and he's enjoying a dinner with his cousin's church friend um, and um, he asked about like you know if if she remembers uh whatever she remembers yeah. of the cousin and if she remembers this, this book and the um the church friend does she was like you know yeah there was this family book but that was burned 
up in Tulsa along right. with basically everything else. So, Which I find like, interesting. Sorry. I, I think they mentioned or somebody earlier in, in the season mentioned Tulsa and how Tulsa was so bad and all this stuff. And I didn't realize mm-hmm. that his mom, because this woman told him not just that everything burned up, but your mom was the only one to survive the Tulsa riots. Like the only one. In yeah, family. I think. Yeah, but see, in this episode, and I don't remember if they said it in a previous episode, um, in this episode, when he found out about the cousins that they said, the co- apparently there was a oh, cousin okay. that also survived. So, um, yeah, that's, that was my first time kind of realizing her, his mom and her family was part of the Tulsa riots, but they may have implied it, like maybe in the first episode before right. we really were paying attention. Um, and so let's see. I'm wondering if it's, they're trying to set up <clears throat> some kind of, you know, fantasy around the Tulsa riots too. Yeah. Oh yeah, I definitely think so. Um, so the next scene, uh, is in a place called Mayfield and we find Hippolyta, um, is at the coordinates that, um, the Ori led to, and it's basically an observatory. It's an old observatory that looks abandoned. And yeah. that was that scene. Next scene, we're back at Dee's house. Um, Letty is playing cards with the kids and they do another t- kind of little nod to, um, Emmett Till where one of the kids asked when's Bobo gonna come back um, like he was always really good at these games yeah. um, Letty and Ruby are in the back and they're talking about basically her and Tick's situation and where Ruby's been mm-hmm. and all that stuff just basically catching up and as they're talking Letty is starting to uh, I think Ruby is um, making like some sauce some spaghetti sauce or something and she asked Letty to try it and as Letty is approaching you know she starts getting queasy basically confirming her pregnancy symptoms um, or that dream where she is pregnant she is experiencing these symptoms Mm -hmm. and she runs off to uh, a room so she can open the window and get some air and it's Hippolyta's room and that's where she actually finds the Ori, realizing that Hippolyta is on some other mission. She's not yeah. doing what she was supposed to do, but that Hippolyta has been keeping secrets. Um, so as we're back at Tick's cousin's mm-hmm. friend's house, and Tick is there, and as um, the phone rings and the the church friend goes off to answer the phone, he's looking at a um, a photo album, and so she points out to someone and she says, "Guess you know who that is." And I don't know if that person is his mother or maybe the cousin. Mm-hmm. He, she never says it's a woman in this picture, but Tick notices that this woman has a birthmark on her arm and he runs to Amira and takes off his shirt because he has a, a very yeah. similar birthmark on his back. Um, which I feel like I've seen that mark before. Yeah, I did somewhere too. I could, too. I couldn't remember. I can't remember where. Yeah. Um, so the phone call that um, uh, was received was actually Letty calling to tell Tick that Hippolyta had the or Ori and um pro and you know they 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 put two and two together and and Tick realizes Hippolyta's in trouble because she's chasing this this thing mm-hmm. and she doesn't really know what she's doing. And so 
as Letty is telling Tick this, uh, Ruby overhears and on how um, Hippolyte is in danger. And so, okay, we know Ruby is kind of being yeah. the ears and eyes for Christina. So, you know, she's she is quietly observing what's going on. So we can kind of see how this may play out a little later. Next scene is Hippolyta. She's back at the, uh, she's at the observatory and she's looking around again. It's abandoned, it's dark, but she finds this panel where there is a, a very similar keyhole mm-hmm. to what was in the Ori. Um, and she takes a key that she got from the Ori and inserts it. And it turns on this device that controls like the telescope. Um, she kind of starts having this moment that reminds me of the meme where you're seeing all these calculations floating by and kind of a, um, a Catherine Johnson moment where she's just trying to figure out these calculations and like put these clues together with all these coordinations, all this stuff. She's just having one of her yeah. genius moments. Um, and she starts hearing, she hears some voices and she hides and um, as she hides, two cops, two white cops, um, basically come into the room mm-hmm. that she's in and looks around and they find her and they start, they briefly start yep. to interrogate her. Um, as, as they're interrogating her, Letty or Tick, I, I don't know why I put Letty was mm-hmm. there, but it was just Tick. Tick shows up and he just starts yeah. fighting off the cops. <laughs> um, I'm wondering, I was like, how, how did, did the he cops get there get so there quickly? So quickly? How I, I mean, I guess Letty told him the coordinates that were on it, so he could figure that out. But I was just yeah, like, it must have yeah. been a time jump. I don't know how yeah. the cops got there that quickly. I just assumed the cops were probably just watching my place been, anyway. Since it's part of that secret society. Um, that said, yeah, um, yeah, it's like a big tussle scene, and the cops are you know being fought off a bit, and um, yeah. is is it? Yeah, Hippolyta picks up a gun, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so the the machine, as as he's fighting, the machine starts yeah. to open a portal um, to it, and it's just, like, flashing a whole, yeah. a lot of different places. And Tick pushes one of the cops through um, while, and then Hippolyta picks up the gun, and she yeah. shoots the other cop uh, who just falls back. And as Hippolyta and Tick are kind of just, like, in uh not in awe but like in shock of Mm -hmm. everything that's happening they are close to the portal and they both get sucked into it um we see Hippolyta kind of going through like again this portal this kind of wormhole-esque type thing and then she ends up landing on in this other world in this like barren world this dark barren world with this big alien structure that looks kind of like this alien skull like glow skull (laughs) um and then these uh two alien robotic being beings huge giant beings start walking to her and they take her um and she wakes up naked in this white room of light this is how i describe it Everything I'm going to write now does not do any of the rest of this episode <laughs> justice. This is me just trying to make the most like the most basic descriptions I can. But it, if you fill me in on things or fill in everything that I'm leaving out. And if anything, people just need to watch this episode because none of what I'm going to say can yeah. do this justice. 
because I really was like, I don't know how I'm going yeah, to. Yeah, it's it was like, um, <laughs> in in a word, I think this was a a beautiful um, representation of some sort of like Afrofuturistic views of things. Yes, yeah, very, definitely very much Afrocentric science fiction, which I'm, I'm I love. Um, but yes, she wakes up in this room. Yeah. Yeah, she's naked, um, and she she's there's there are some um, like uh, yeah, a jumper like a, or kind of overalls, overalls or whatever. Weird. I'm like, why did they give her some overall? Like that's yeah. Like after she's naked, like okay, yeah. So she puts that on. She's just trying to figure out where she is, and uh, she notices she has this weird thing kind of inserted in her wrist. I I, I can't describe it, but you know, it's just something in her wrist. Um, this alien creature who, two things about this alien creature. The first thought I had with seeing it, I thought of Amethyst okay, yes. from Steven Universe. If, if you're a fan of Steven Universe, I don't really watch the show, but I'm aware of the characters. I was like, that is Amethyst. Now, if you look at the credits for who this character was, I thought this was excellent this I, I, this was beautiful so they call this creature this alien creature her name is um seraphina aka beyond yeah. say say beyond say but it's say is spelled like the french s or yeah, c apostrophe est which means it is so her name means I it is beyond <laughs> when i read that I said, Which is, I, didn't, I didn't know because she didn't announce herself other than I am. She said, who, what? She said, who are you? She's like, I am. Yeah. And I find that to be, okay. Yes. So we're raised in, in the Christian culture here. And um, one thing I remember hearing about, and I always found to be the most powerful was how God in the Bible called himself the great I am all the time. Um, mm. and I always found that to be, ha- to be just so, um, like the audacity, you know what I mean? Like, like you just are like, yeah. like you, you know, you, I don't have to call myself anything because I can be anything. I can do anything. I can be anything. I am, I am, you know? And so to fa- the mm-hmm. fact that this, this creature who looks like, you know, the, she reminded me of, do you remember that music video uh, for um, all the stars? So uh, towards the end of the yeah. video, um, Kenneth, Kendrick Lamar is walking uh. into this like temple and there are these like giant women. That's what she reminded yeah. me of. Yeah. Um, kind of like that, almost like, okay. a, a, like she's futuristic, but she's also ancient. And and so it was just yes, like, yes. her hair, oh, her hair, the skin, everything. I said, this woman, or she's not a woman, she <laughs> is, or it is, or it, what I am. Um, yes. Yeah. It was just powerful <laughs> just seeing her. And then when she was like, Hippolyta said, wait, who are you? I am. And she was like, what does that mean? You know, it was just like, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she proceeds to tell her, that she is not in a prison because Hippolyte is like, where am I? Right. You know, just asking all the questions you would ask. 
and she just says you are not in a prison and i yes. believe uh she leaves and time is passing and they have like this panel under uh that keeps showing we know it's time but i can't i You're i can't the place it because right? it's like so it's interesting because throughout yes, all I, these scenes once hippolyte is through the portal throughout these different scenes that we're going to talk about they keep showing time as coordinates which is essentially space time and how space time still keeps ticking no matter where you are in the universe or the multiverse or what have you time isn't like you know hours on a clock it's coordinates in 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 space it reminded me of if like um (laughs) because i'm a trekkie it reminded me of like um uh, space time you know like how mm-hmm. they would how they would consider time um and it, i don't know i was just trying to follow and make sense of it but that's me making my earthly eyes right. and my earthly but knowledge that's how, <laughs> trying but to that's also um, how make people have found this portal is going to uh, some sort of coordinates so it was very interesting how they had that throughout yes. these different scenes. But yes, so she's looking around. She finds these things in, in this room that she's in. She's trying to take apart the panel and to figure out how to open the door because not only is she like a, a math genius and a physicist, she also is kind of an engineer genius. <laughs> Can kind of figure out how things work. Um based off of like you know just taking apart panels and she sees that this is right. still mechanical there's this, stuff there's part of this scene where she's not uh, only taking apart the panels at the door but she starts taking apart the panels on this table where she was which i found that to be weird i don't know why they included yeah, that yeah. scene but but well she takes so she takes the panel off the table and she uses one of those mm. to kind of pry the panel okay. from the door Okay, so it's but almost then, like but she's using that as a tool. Also, she had them floating in the air, like she was reciting something. So she, yeah, yeah, yeah like it. Yeah, there was a lot going on that I was like, yeah. Stop trying to so make sense it was of like it, she was <laughs> coming to her own revelation about like how her own genius that didn't have any relevance in her world back on Earth suddenly had some relevance in this room. And she was able to figure out how to make them float yeah. or something. And she was naming, saying all of these, um, these formulas and things. And I said, okay, girl, like she, she's on, she is in her bag right now, <laughs> having a good time. Uh, but she did try to get out of this room. And so she, you know, pries open this yeah. panel. She opens the door and Beyonce comes back and pushes her back in the room. And she's like, you need to let me go. This is, you know, I can't be in here. You can't keep me here. I want to go home. And she was like, look. <laughs> she didn't say this. She didn't say look. But she was like, she was like you're not in prison. <laughs> no. Like, she reiterated it again. Where do you yeah, want to go? Yeah, she said, like, tell me, tell me yeah. a name. Where do you want to be right now? And after kind of pressuring her, Hippolyta just uh, screams, um, basically, I want to be dancing in Paris with Josephine Baker immediately there poof immediately she's there (laughs) and she's she's there um backstage they're getting ready to perform and being pushed off and onto the stage and of course she's just like what Mm -hmm. now let's talk about this moment here because i've been hearing a lot of buzz about Mm -hmm. this and i love that this conversation's happening so here we see 
um, Anjanu Ellis, who plays Hippolyta. She's, mm-hmm. I believe, 51, 52. She's probably maybe a size mm-hmm. 14 or so, like a very average size, a beautiful body, but not a body that we often see as beautiful on TV, mm-hmm. a, a body type that is very, very common in real life, but not on television. And here in this scene where she is a dancer, she's wearing kind of like this uh, burlesque, you know, just a very uh, bikini type top with a little frilly skirt. She's showing her torso. She's showing her thighs, her legs. Mm-hmm. We've seen a scene where she is naked. And it and so the buzz has been about, you know, people saying, oh, my gosh, look at her. She's brave for doing this and brave. And, and people are like, yeah. stop saying she's brave. You know, she's not, I mean, she's just showing her. Yeah. She's just being, this is reality. She's not brave because right. there's nothing wrong with her body. And so the fact that, you know, I saw this body type featured among dancer body types that, you know, are the typical model-esque sizes and all that. And the funny thing was the dancers weren't concerned about, you know, her body not fitting into what they were doing. The fact that she just wasn't dancing. They were like, bitch, take off your top. Yeah. Yeah. She was kind of messing up their performance. (laughs) And they got, they got in her ass after the performance, but, um, she was still kind of reeling from the fact that she was there, like almost as instantaneously as she could speak it. And yeah, kind of. once they went backstage, uh, Josephine herself walked up to her and reassured her, look, it's okay. You're American like me. I get it. You know, just here's the steps again. And yeah, literally got an, an actual dance tutorial from Miss Baker herself and I would have been just as mm-hmm. starstruck as she was. I was like, I can't even believe. Like, can you even imagine, Cicely? Like, you know? I know. I know. <laughs> That's. And so the thing is about this also is for a while, real, like, she's yeah. just trying to understand if this is even like real, if this is just a like illusion and the fact that she is actually here. Now, this is her dream. And we've seen when she was on the road, she was listening oh, that's to Josephine she Baker. To. She was listening to okay. her music. So we could, yeah. So we, we could see that she was a big fan, that that was like, and yeah. think about everything that Josephine Baker represents. You know, she, she, where she came from, what she, mm-hmm. where she went to, who she became. And all the and all of the um, challenges that she overcame, and this um, the starlight, this icon. So we we are seeing these themes happening throughout the show, and here she is with her one of her idols um, in Paris, a place that she probably never imagined she would be on stage dancing. And so we start seeing She's this there montage. for quite a while. Um, yeah. We don't. Yeah, we don't know how long, but enough time that she she gets into the routine. She starts adapting to the live. She she's performing with these other dancers. She's enjoying herself. She is um, backstage, kind of now among these other women, among Josephine, among kind of this sensual, relaxed environment where people can just be themselves. They don't have to kind of uh aligned to a role and she's having this discussion with josephine about they're talking about freedom the freedom she's experiencing and realizing that she was just a negro Mm -hmm. white folks wanted her to be um that she said something about like they found a way to lynch her without actually doing so and she said i hate 
I hate me for letting them make me feel small. And this is a big theme through these scenes that we're going through, how, how she is becoming Mm -hmm. herself. She is, it's, I am like, she's discovering who she is finally by the freedom to fulfill these scenarios, yeah. these dreams, these places. So um, what this was a powerful, in her deep in her psyche um, scene for me. Her talking to Josephine at the bar, they're sharing like some weed or whatever. They're just chilling mm-hmm. and they're sipping cocktails. And Josephine literally asks her, you know, you have that look in your eye or something. She said something to the effect of like you have that look in your eyes. Like I know what that look is. And, you know, Josephine can yeah. attest because she herself, being African-American, she had no freedom there. And when she came to France, she was able to blossom and be her full self and reach her full potential. And so she's, you know, Hippolyta's saying, to, like you said, like, they, they made me so small and I resent them for that. I actually want to kill white people, which I found to be... Yeah, I I sat up in my chair. Not that I'm saying trying to appear kill people, but I feel like this is why this is why white people today are so scared of movements like Black Lives Matter because they know these racists mm-hmm. and these supremacists. They know that we would be absolutely justified in our anger and in our hatred for what they did to us and our ancestors, you know, and what they're still doing. And so the fact that someone on this TV show said, you know, I really, this make, it makes me want to kill white people specifically. You know, I was just like, Lord, I know we've had, we've almost all of us at one point probably had that thought in the back of our head, not saying that we want to kill our friends, but like, it's just, we want to kill the system that made us so small more than anything and it's just like yeah i get it i got it i said "Ooh, girl i know that anger i know that anger and i think it was right after was it right after this that she was transported somewhere else she said the words once she realized exactly what she was feeling she said i am hippolyta and every time she would say this phrase she is transported into uh, kind of another um, reality, time, world, space, something. And this time she's in Africa and kind of a, I, in this mist of like this Zulu like fight or maybe almost more of like the Dora Milaje mm-hmm. from like Wakanda, like that, um, the female army, um, because she is surrounded in a circle by other, um, female warriors and she is in front of a yeah. um, teacher, <laughs> a master in a way. And um, the master is basically saying things like, you know, it was a this, great uh, monologue. Like, Who are you? And this and that. Yeah, and I know what this are you woman. And, and I, just challenging this woman her. was yes. a, she had yes. a recurring role on Veep. She was the, um, the, the really stone faced, had it all together secretary. And I remember her yes. her performance was really yes. underrated um, on me. Sophie, That's her name? 
the woman killed this her role name. as Sufi? her teacher. Yeah. And her, the monologue she had, I can't remember yes. everything in that monologue, but she was basically saying they're gonna, they're, like, this is what they're gonna try to do to you. And this is what they did do to others. And so you don't have the luxury yeah. of staying down. Like, if they knock you down, you gotta get back up. You gotta keep fighting, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so then we have this montage of um, basically um, Hippolyta, you know, getting her ass whooped. But as as she's doing that, she is learning and she's improving and she's becoming this better warrior and she's fighting others. And she's basically is, is she's um, mastering um, the skill mm-hmm. to the point where she finally overtakes her teacher. And when she overtakes her teacher, she is basically ready. She is mm-hmm. crowned, I guess, by the chiefess um, um, of this community. And we see that now she is leading the army. She's leading this all-female African army mm-hmm. and, and giving a very similar speech that she was given um, about who they are and, 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 and about the right. enemy and what the enemy's trying to do and all of these things. And we find that the enemy are, or I don't think they're a, confederates. A white confederate I, men. I didn't know charging I don't think at they were them. confederates. Well, I think there's significance in the fact that they are wearing confederate uh Which the was same really confederate colors in the same uniform as confederates. They may not yeah. have been confederates it, in the actual like show. This reminded me I don't of think that was a coincidence. What it may have been like when these different um when when the colonials came to the to the motherland and started taking over all these nations and killing all these nations. So that's what it, it kind of looked like that to yeah. me. But again, it could have only the only reason I say differently is because a lot of the those mm. uh, the colonizers, a lot of them were I like see. British I see or French, and their colors weren't gray. <laughs> their colors were either red or blue, and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Red mainly the British for the red coats and all that. But the fact that they were wearing gray and those were like Confederate colors. So again, it may not have, they may not have weren't uh, they may not have meant to be actual like Confederates, but I, I think that was situation. kind of... A... Almost, I also found it interesting that it was yeah. just the women fighting and there were no men yeah. anywhere. And I was just like, that is very interesting to me. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think that was on purpose. But yeah, I loved it. Great yeah. scene. There's a, that, that they, she kills like the um, first horde of them, I guess. Yeah. Wave. Yeah, this first wave, they they decimate and she's again giving them a speech um, of the remaining soldiers that are there, and we see this cloud behind them. And I recognize yeah. this cloud or actual like the next wave yeah. coming at them, and they're greatly they're greatly outnumbered now. And as they're approaching, she kind of just lets her her weapon yeah. down and just like prepares for this onslaught. And as she um, she. Oh, da, da, da. what was I saying? Oh, yeah. As she is uh, preparing, she has this moment and she is transported again after yeah. saying, I am Hippolyta, George's wife. And she yep, finds herself like back at home of, now in the bed with um, George. Episode one. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. They're back in bed again. It's just that similar scene. Yeah, I believe so. But this time she's different having had these uh, experiences 
you know, George is like, I want to make love to my wife. I'm up here with my wife. And in the beginning of that scene, she, you know, they have this intimate moment. And then she asks him, this is back in episode one. She asked him, hey, I want to go with you on your trip. And he says, no, 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 no. It's too dangerous. You need to stay here and blah, blah, blah. Um, and But in this scene, mm-hmm. where it starts then, out similarly, she ends up telling ahead. George all about her adventures mm-hmm. that she's had so far and what she did and how she figured it out and the key and all this stuff. And this this timeline of George is just you know, awestruck and listening. And he's like, so is what, is all of this real? Are you real now? Like, am I real now? Like what's, like what's going on? Yeah. Cause yeah. And she, she explains, um, you know, that she, that the device has allowed her to travel to many, that they're basically the, the many worlds, um, theory. Um, so she explains to George all of this and then she starts having more of a deeper discussion about um, she admits to mm-hmm. having this anger and resent- resentment towards him for letting her um, yeah. for letting towards him for letting her shrink and not shine is what she said. And, um, and he admits, he's like, you're right. I've done this. And he apologized and he's, he realizes I need to support you. I am going, I will support you and everything you want to do. And basically everything that, you know, she probably wanted to say, but just kind of kept from the actual mm-hmm. George of her timeline and stuff, she was able to say, and it allowed her to finally come to a place mm-hmm. where she can say, I am Hippolyta the discoverer Mm -hmm. because she was telling him all the things that she wants to do on, you know? Um, And once again, now she's transported and, but she, Mm -hmm. this time she's transported, taking George's hand. And I feel like she's transported to this like Jetsons like planet, this kind of 1950s surreal campy um, planet where she and George land and they kind of make first contact with these little cute aliens and um, are there's a little montage of them. Yeah. Going around um, this planet. Yeah. You know, discovering plants and exploring and um, yeah. And so, so they're there and then, this is I, I I must have missed something because I don't remember how she left that place. But all yeah, I said like, in I my notes is that she sees the alien George again. Beyonce doing his thing, but then um, Beyonce comes to her and um, and yeah pulls her up and says, "All right, so now and kind of pulls her from this our race planet. of people or something like that, like our kind. You're ready to join our kind now." Yeah, yeah, you're ready. And she's you're like, ready oh, to I be can't integrated wait. in our society. Wanted, but then she realizes that, you know, I have a daughter to raise. Yes. Yeah. She asks, does she have a choice to go home? And she's like, of and course. And this, this is interesting, but too, because to Hippolyta um, but I guess I, I, how she, in her heart and mind, was absolutely ready to join them. But the only thing that was keeping her from wanting to was her daughter. Yeah, her daughter still needs her. And saying her dad, her daughter still needs her. 
And that's all I was thinking about because I was like, yeah, Hippolyta, I was like, what yeah. else she got going on? Oh, yeah, she's a mom. She got her daughter. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that, oh, that's going to pull you back home. So she said, you know, um, Dee needs me. And we see, um, it, it, it seems like, mm-hmm. it appears like she's, she chooses home because of Dee. And the next scene, we see the portal back on Earth opening up but this time it just spits Where out Tip, who yeah. we know he was sucked into this portal we don't know what happened to him well but the portal just spits out tick mm-hmm. and he, we don't see hippolyta at all um tick gets up he's looking around he's calling her doesn't see her he goes to um to yeah. go press some buttons on the the device but then the device stops working and he looks down and he has which is interesting. He has a book, Lovecraft Country, but the author of this book is now is right. George Freeman, his uncle. And we know the actual author is not him, uh, the actual book. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting because one, that book just appeared. He didn't have that before. So this may be an indication of whatever adventure he went on, maybe the timeline he explored. Yeah. That was something that he brought back with him. We don't know yet. Um, as he's there, he start we, he mm-hmm. hears sirens because we remember there's this dead body. There's this dead cop body now there and he hears sirens. So mm-hmm. he takes the key knowing that he doesn't have any time to stay there and wait. He takes the key and run. And we, the last scene just kind of pans to the dead body of the cop. And we see that mm-hmm. Dee's comic that she, yeah. she, um, gave her mom is under the body no and it says yeah. the uh deandra or Deand, whatever her full name is um freeman so her. pretty much mm-hmm. we know that they're gonna trace what happened back to d yeah girl it's and the it, this episode uh ends. episode was really really cool because like like what black panther did for a lot of people it made you ask the question man what if like what if we were allowed to just be and to not have to shrink especially us as black women be. like i felt this on a deep wow. deep deep level yeah and there are so many things in society that we learn not just from society but also our families and in a lot of ways we learn how to shrink and we do shrink ourselves because in a lot of ways it's for our safety because the people that didn't shrink, the black people that didn't shrink or didn't, yeah. you know, they weren't just Negroes. Um, they were killed. They were tortured. They were, you know, ostracized. They were what have you. And so what that tells yeah. us is that we have to, you know, just protect, you know, just keep your head down and survive. But what happens when you want to do more than just survive? And I think that in that in of itself is the privilege that we keep talking to, you know, white people about because. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the um, so the alien um, Beyonce, <laughs> she what I thought about after this episode, I felt like that alien represents mm-hmm. how we would be if we were untouched. If there was, if we, if, um, if the continent of Africa was not pillaged and plundered, if there wasn't a transatlantic slave, um, uh, slave trade, if, Mm -hmm. you know, if 
we were able almost yeah. like Wakanda. She seemed like she was from Wakanda in the future, you know, like and and just being able to mm-hmm. really um like you said, be and, and be without restrictions, to, be without boxes. Manifest our be without and so many of us, like Hippolyta's story is so familiar. Like she said in episode three or four, when she was telling D, like, you know, I named this comet, but because they didn't need a black girl to name something, they gave the same name to that comet, but they said it was a white girl somewhere in Europe that did it. And that, you know that that story resonates yeah. with black people across this country and it was just yeah this 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 episode was beautiful but it was also heartbreaking at the same time but it was also inspiring because like like yeah. it or not there are still many things in this country that we have to fight for but there are so many things that we're able to do now as black people that our parents weren't able to do that our grandparents weren't able to do so it's almost incumbent oh, yeah. on us to keep pushing ahead and to keep pushing the boundaries like this show this show is pushing the boundaries of what black people on you know the small screen look like and how we interact and it's it's a beautiful thing it's a really beautiful thing um yeah yeah it is i i i tell you every single episode we watch just kind of like I don't want to say like I love this one the most because every single time we, there's a new episode, I'm like, oh my god, this was even better than the last. This is even better than the last. They're all individually yes. very, very uh, extraordinary episodes for different reasons and and relevant. And it's just like it just keeps going. It just keeps getting um, better. Now I get to continue the overall story arc. How they mm-hmm. had to have kind of the scenes with about Tick and Letty and all of that stuff. It really, to me, didn't serve any purpose in this episode, but I get it. They need to kind of continue the story arc. So they're going to yeah. give you, give little bits and pieces that will hopefully play a bigger role in the next uh, um, three episodes. But it, to me, yeah. I was just like, let's get back to Hippolyta. Forget this. Let's yeah, get back to Yeah, and her. she didn't I come back through that more. portal. What's so I'm like, on? yo, where, where is she going to go next? In life, like, Yeah, and then the yeah. next episode, if you saw the, the preview. previews, we still won't oh, it's see like, I don't know what's going to happen. And yeah, we see the consequences. The is, we don't know where what in happened time with this comic, Hippolyta these comics. Is. So, and um, I mean, it's not like she couldn't just speak where she wants to go. Yeah, and you know, be there. But it's just so interesting, so so interesting. It is. Wow. So that is episode seven of Lovecraft Country. And I know a lot of people are excited to yeah. um, watch it and hear about maybe our take on it. Yep. <laughs> um, so yep. Two I, more, I'm excited uh, about Three more, Sunday including eight. And so I'm really excited. Eight. Um, What have you been watching otherwise? Have you had any time? Yes. <laughs> yeah, actually. So, yeah, I, I have been okay. able to catch up with a couple shows. So there's, uh, I want to speak about two. Um, 
So previously I mentioned that I watched Ratchet and I know you finished it and I'm pretty much almost finished. I think I only, I'm on the last Mm -hmm. episode. I, I like halfway through, I had to stop it because I got busy. Now I'm going to say this. I'm liking this show and I'm liking this show because even though yes, it's still very Ryan Murphy and all that, what I felt like was where Ryan Murphy was going with American Horror Story and even Scream Queens and all that. Like as the show goes on, they, Mm -hmm. they start getting more ridiculous and it feels like he's just doing Mm -hmm. things out of shock value instead of it actually making sense for the show. I felt like this at least was more of a full story. Of course it still had this shock value moments and stuff like that, but I felt like, those reasons all of those things kind of had a purpose or really like it it continued the plot it wasn't just there just to because he could do it so it almost feels a lot more complete very similar to how i felt about the very first um episode of american horror story the first season which was still my favorite murder house because Mm -hmm. i feel like that was the most complete as in story, writing, whereas everything else became, mm-hmm. okay, what can we do next to, you know, shock them or make it even more crazy? Um, so even though I haven't finished the last episode, I'm almost there. Yeah. And maybe those last 30 minutes will totally change this opinion. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. I'm liking this. That's I'm cool. liking Ratchet. Um <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I I didn't care for it, but that's fine. I, I'm glad <laughs> what you that you're say? seeing a value in it. Um, it's not bad. It's just for me, it wasn't. I I didn't need to watch it, but I will say I have been watching the new season of Fargo, uh, starring Chris Rock. Um, they're releasing it, you know, once a week, once okay. every Sunday on okay. um on Hulu or FX if you have it directly. Mm-hmm. I like this show. They are going, they're finna go places. They finna go places with this show. Oh, you haven't? Okay. So let me, let me ask you with this, because I have not watched any of Fargo. I've always wanted yes. to. So is, yes. Is so this Fargo like a is totally kind of like different anthology cast, type totally different um, story that takes okay. place. Okay. With- not necessarily in Fargo, but in and around like these breadbasket type in Fargo. Um, areas. <laughs> um, th- I cannot recall the first few seasons okay. necessarily. I just know that in their time when I did watch them, I enjoyed watching them. Um, but this one, it looks like they are setting it up to where okay. um, you have different ethnic groups um, who are fighting for power economic and social power in these in this small town and uh chris rock plays the uh leader of you know the black gang or i don't know if they're necessarily a gang but more like a like a syndicate somewhat um there's an italian syndicate that they are competing against um and it's told via the perspective of a school-aged girl black girl this is um taking place in the 1950s in this particular area and so um it's very 
it's interesting because the, it kind of jumps around a little bit in time as well as different stories and being told from um, different perspectives, different characters. Um, but I like it. I can't explain why mm-hmm. I like it. Maybe because it's giving me kind of um, Boardwalk Empire vibes, which I also enjoyed. Um, where, you know, it's okay. deep in some history. Um, and apparently some of it is based on real life uh, activity. Um, so it, it, I like it. I like stories like that, that kind of are told from... Um, an older an older time setting but also uh, gives me some history lesson too like I'm all about that like if like if the history channel decided to do okay. a whole bunch of like reenactments of stuff like I'm all into that type of stuff right but this Fargo does it pretty well and they do it almost in a it's dramatic but there's a lot of comedic elements in it also yeah Okay. I've never heard anything negative about Fargo. So I yeah. it's always been one that I've put I on get my it. I totally um, get it. to watch it's just like, okay, you know, I, get I have to be in a mood or something. <laughs> enjoy this show. Um Chris Rock's amazing. Uh, already. Already he's great. I I totally okay. believe him in this role. <laughs> um he's not funny at all. He is about that business. <laughs> yeah, okay. so it's great. It's cool stuff. Uh, I okay. I'm giving this a medium with butter. So what? Yeah. What? Yeah. What's it's, your popcorn it's rating? It's fun to watch. It it'll. It's not as okay. enthralling to me as say a Lovecraft Country, um, but it is good television. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like a western. If a western had some comedic elements to it. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it gives you Western sensibilities in that way. Okay. Um, <laughs> I can but say I like that. it a lot. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I will definitely what was your second keep show? that in mind when I do decide to ever watch it. Cause I, I will, I will. Um, oh yeah. So my second show is Utopia which is on Amazon Prime right now, just kind of was released. And I didn't really know what to expect with the show. It just seemed very interesting um, from just the previews. It just, uh, it, 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 I, it seemed sci-fi, thriller-ish, mystery-like. So I'm like, mm-hmm. that's all what I love. So let me, let me tune in. Yes. Uh, well, it's, it's funny because it's like, he, he's not the main star. Every, it's almost like equally mm-hmm. balanced it has john cusack who's a, a bigger uh, he probably has a bigger role than rain but um it's this is a difficult to explain and i'm going to explain it in the best way i can without spoilers um it's basically a show about this comic or i will say this graphic novel maybe i don't it's not a novel it's just a comic known as utopia mm-hmm. and utopia is a sequel to a previous one called dystopia and so it has a big fan base um for various reasons you know just kind of the the, the normal um nerd geeky fan base and so we find that the show opens with this couple that um 
the boyfriend's grandfather passed mm. and left this house to him and they go in the house and it's just full of like junk. It's like he was a hoarder and they come across these pages of this comic and they look like their original pages and pages mm-hmm. that have never been published before. And so they know, whoa, this is worth something. So during one of the like a comic con or, you know, a local convention, they, they decide to, um, pretty much try to get the uh the highest bid mm-hmm. from fans on these pages because they know that people will pay a lot and from there this is all in the first episode from there um they there's this, there's a group that uh, a, a friend group that probably just know each other online that are big fans of this comic but they they're fans knowing that this comic has deeper implications like there this comic seems to pre- ha- have predicted um diseases and mm-hmm. and um uh, uh um viruses and uh big events and catastrophes that have happened in history or in in modern times and so um they're they're always looking for more clues because they know that they're this comic mm-hmm. is just not fantasy. Like there's there's truth behind it. It's basically messages like code, and so they are all banding together because they're like we have to get these pages, and something happens where there are a group of other people that are after these pages, and they they will do anything to get. Them. I'm going to say that I'm not going to really go further, but um we learned that there's something, there's a lot, the the story and everything is so much bigger. Everything that is behind utopia and dystopia is so much bigger. There is truth in it all. And we learned that what is comic is actual truth. It's like mm-hmm. everything that, that was depicted is actually someone's life <laughs> that they've gone through. And the show at first, I was very confused at how to feel about it because even though it's kind of fantasy and campy, it kind of the feeling yeah, of right. it seems like That's it's targeting a like a young adult demographic. But, but this show is very graphic, and certain things that happen, I'm like, whoa, whoa, this is this is like even though they rated it's yeah. a weird rating, it's like rated 16 plus or something. I'm like, what's that rating? Well, it needs to be rated in May because it's it is they do some things, and I'm like, I oh mm. okay, this needs to be more like this is pretty graphic, and so it's weird because it's how the story and everything goes, it feels mm-hmm. like it's missing its targeted audience for how graphic it is. So I, it took a while for me to place it and to understand how I felt about it. Cause even though I liked, I was curious and the mystery mm-hmm. of it will keep you watching it. It it's kind of uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. because they do certain things and I'm like, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. Um, so that was interesting, but also, and I heard some buzz about this too, and I do agree. Um, I think it was the wrong time mm. to release this show, especially because we're going with a pan, we're in a pandemic, and certain things in the theme of the show is reflecting exactly what we're going through, but also reflecting, oh, yeah, um, conspiracies behind vaccines. Um, and things like that, that I think are only going to add to the mania that we're having in real life about 
you know, this vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine and how people feel about it, when it, when it will be ready and what, and if, if there is a bigger conspiracy behind the vaccine and all these different things, I feel like, oh, this is probably really, really bad timing, even though, and you could tell that they know this because every episode starts off with a disclaimer saying, this is based off of fiction. This is like not related to the pandemic, all this, you know, like obviously this was filmed all before the pandemic and all that. But I think it, I agree that I think the timing of them releasing it is not appropriate for the the current culture that we're in. Um, With that said, if you want to watch it, watch it. Just try to separate fiction from reality and not yeah not, I, you know I'm still flabbergasted this rabbit hole how that many some people can go into people um are just falling for all these conspiracy theories so much like conspiracy theories are now mainstream yeah and the thing is i i, I feel i'm with you with that but at the same time unfortunately and this is part of um when I mm-hmm. took, I, I have a public health background and we, w- there was a class on ethics. Uh, we have, you know, ethics for public health. And in that class, you're learning about all of the different mm-hmm. events that have happened in um, the history of health or modern day health that have led to a lot of the laws and the ethical um, um, regulations that are here now. And they're there because mm-hmm. of things that ha- have happened, like the, the Tuskegee um, project and all of that stuff and unfortunately because there is a precedent for these things i can also understand the conspiracy um behind it i can i mean i can understand people's concern about conspiracy theories and questioning it's important to okay, question the true but nature of things and i think it's, it's and important there's no to question but don't on in anything and it's it's it causes way more harm. I mean, look at what happened yes. recently at the White House for that, you know, Senate hearing for the judge. Like we everybody in the scientific community and anybody who listens to the scientific community yeah. knows that was a huge no no. And sure enough, now it's being known as a super spreader event. So, I mean, it's like there there's a it was a crowd of people who believed mm-hmm. it wasn't going to affect them it you know it was a hoax and it was just it's a man-made thing or if they do believe yeah. that it's real it's not as bad as it seems to be you know I've, yeah that and the thing is also people don't People need to humble themselves You're right. because people feel like, oh, they heard a source that challenges whatever mainstream knowledge of it. This source must be right. You aren't an expert. When were you all of a sudden yeah. an epidemiologist? When are you all of a sudden an astrophysicist or whatever the conspiracy is surrounding? Like people feel like they become an expert just and I'm like, all you're hearing is someone else's um, opinion about it. And you and you 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 put the pieces together and it makes sense to you, but you're not understanding they're, they're presenting it in a way to make it make mm-hmm. sense to you because the way you present things, if you're trying to convince a person, you are purposely leaving out certain facts. You're not going to, right. you're not going to introduce facts that actually um, um, negate what you're saying or, or prove you wrong unless you have other proof against it. And so it's like for people not to understand that, 
they are being um they're in a way manipulated right. in the same in the same way that they feel they're yeah. being manipulated by the mainstream opinion <laughs> it's like humble yourself humble yourself to know that you are not an expert that it's okay to question it's it's good to research and look up and try to mm-hmm. understand other people's motivations behind what they're saying and why they're spreading this and not yeah. that they're just spreading it because they want to inform everyone but that they have an interest in this it's not like we're you saying know? don't question it's totally fine to question <laughs> it's just that when you yeah keep questioning because if yes. you, if you only agree with things that fit into keep your own That's worldview that you're comfortable with you have stopped questioning and you're not willing to learn. And that's the difference between someone who is scientifically yes. minded and someone who is not, um, not saying not to be, you know, elitist sounding or whatever. You don't have to be an actual scientist to be scientifically yeah. minded. What I'm saying is, you know, you may, you may feel one way about one thing one day, you may say, you know what, um, you know, <laughs> I don't think vaccines are for me. I don't like them. Okay, totally fine. Uh, if your reasons for liking them is that, um, you know, maybe you got sick with the flu after getting a flu shot. Okay. But then if someone comes up to you and says, hey, don't you know that the flu shot is not, the, not likely the source of you getting the flu? you probably were infected before you got your flu shot and the flu shot honestly has nothing to do with you being sick yeah. right now. And here's some, here's some um, science to prove that, or here's some study to prove that and all this kind of stuff. It's okay to research it and say, Oh, okay. I changed my opinion. People will hold on to their beliefs so hard just because they want to, you know what I mean? Or also there, there isn't, I, I will say this cause I know this, like you said, it's getting off topic, but I will say this cause I, I do, I uh, believe yeah. there is a lot of misconception out there about uh, vaccines. There's, oh, let's talk about the flu vaccine. I want to keep it there. And since it's a common yeah, one, exactly. people believe if I take a vaccine, I'm not going to, this means I'm not going to get sick. I'm not, I'm going to be well and all that. The thing is vaccines are there to prevent something that yes. cannot be controlled and to something so much more and so much worse the flu vaccine you can get a you can get sick yes you can feel symptoms you can have certain symptoms because of what the the materials of the vaccine yes the vaccine comes from the dead virus that's part of the science of creating a vaccine Mm -hmm. and all and so how your body reacts because your body is still reacting to something foreign your body is still uh, exhibiting an immune response, but that's the purpose of the vaccine is to have an immune response. So when, if the actual flu virus comes to you, the actual live virus, Mm -hmm. the virus that can possibly kill you, likely may kill you or really, really incapacitate you, comes, your body already has a response to it to fight it versus your body not having a response to it and the flu virus kicking in your body's ass. And so for you to get a vac- flu vaccine and to feel a that's little exactly a few symptoms right. of a this cold, is, that's what you I've know, been saying to so that many people, is like, a hell of a lot better yeah. than dying from the flu. <laughs> and, 
and that's the point of the vaccine. So the point of the vaccine the is not, people oh, it's going really to feel like have this magical if I get a vaccine, that means I won't get me. sick. No. I'm like, did y'all not listen at all in school? But then I realized, like, maybe a lot of schools didn't teach this. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah. Because that's the whole point. Like, no, you just I don't think they build up did, your body's maybe response just people didn't to really it. Pay so you, if you do get sick, maybe you won't be as sick as long or something like that. And so what's funny yeah. about it is the people that are hardcore anti-vaxxers, and I mean hardcore, like before pandemic and all that anti-vaxxers, were the ones that are like, I'm not giving my kids any vaccines. I'd rather them play and, and get uh, the, mm-hmm. their, build up their immunity naturally. Basically, like, let them lick the floor or, you know, all that yeah. stuff, because that, that builds up your immunity naturally. I'm like, do you understand you're essentially doing the same thing? <laughs> like, you're... you're your argument and your logic is the same thing. You are purposely risking your child getting mm-hmm. sick by, you know, exposing them to what you consider natural immunities where, and, and that's really the difference is that people right. that, um, I guess, prefer nature versus man-made. And, but there's a thought right. process that goes into this man-made also comes from nature, nature, natural materials, we, we study those natural materials and, and yes, they are manipulated or mm-hmm. figured out if you combine this together, this is the response. But essentially nature does the same thing. A lot of our food, yeah. a lot of things that we eat today that aren't GMO are naturally GMO, meaning yeah. that these are, um, these are the results of two species combined naturally in nature. There's a difference between it happening um, uh, over time by nature and there's a difference between it happening because a yeah. man or a woman decided hey I'm going to put these two plants together and crossbreed them and create this it's essentially the same thing so it's really an argument of, over what people feel like if it if it's meant to happen because it happens in nature versus if we're forcing it to happen because man happens yeah. but my mindset is more man and this is me not everyone may agree as men, as men, um, in the general sense, we are part of nature and our curiosity and our ability to grow and yeah. learn and, and, um, develop is part yeah. of, I mean, we nature. could absolutely just let <laughs> and nature so take its course with COVID, essence, but we'll nature. lose millions of people in <laughs> the process. Natural. That's why they're trying to rush to get a vaccine because like you said, you can naturally do the same thing. But you could also naturally die or suffer really, really, really hard, you know, and then if you survive, you'll have your immunity built up or you'll have a much better chance of surviving if they give you a, the dead virus and your cells have a chance and your, you know, your immune system has a chance to fight off and recognize the virus in its dead form. So when it, it actually does invade your body, if it actually does invade your body, it'll be ready to fight, you know? It's, yeah. it's like training for a home invasion or, or something like that. Like, just in case, there, there are things out here that can be dangerous. So you might want to get some training for that. That's what I think it is. That, that's how I think about it, rather. Yeah. And who's to say, who's to say that um, um, 
for for man to develop the vaccine or to develop the the cure or whatever isn't a part of something naturally occurring. That's part of nature. Us us uh, utilizing um, centuries and centuries of learned information and observation yeah. and behavior in order to be at this place where we are now, where we can understand medicine. I don't feel like me getting some Neosporin yeah. to put on a cut is any different than me going outside, cutting an aloe plant and putting it on a burn. It's all the same effect. You are, you're understanding um, what yeah. this and just because, compound also just because it's can natural, do to your body mean and your body you're body utilizing it for a benefit. You know, poison ivy. <laughs> I was going to say poison ivy is absolutely natural, but if you go out there and rub it, you're going to be exactly. messed Exactly. There's a I'm lot saying. of natural so, like, poisonous stuff. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Poisonous and mushrooms. So, it, but because we have, <laughs> you know, poisonous you know, berries. scientific process, people have been able to go yeah. out and get those berries and be like, here's why it's poisonous, right? And because we know that this is poisonous, now we know what's not. You know, it's, it's just a way of thinking. Yeah. And I'm just surprised. It is, it's not surprising. It's astounding how many people will just usurp this type of knowledge just to fit into their own comfort zone worldview of things, but it's fine. I know we're completely off topic of this, but um, utopia, what do you give it? Yeah, but. Oh, so utopia. Um, I did finish the series. Um, I actually am looking forward to if they do have a second season. So with that in mind, I will give it a nice, medium um, popcorn with butter and I'm not giving it a large just because like I said I am conflicted by how Mm. I guess the marketing of it or the audience that it's meant to be I feel like it may be a little more graphic than it needs to be um, or a little too campy for the graphic nature that it is I don't know like pick a lane (laughs) so that's the uh, but it's entertaining I would recommend it um like I said, if you watch it now, just yeah. watch it trying not to take things too hard <laughs> gotcha. um, within the current climate like that we're in. But I, well, I think it still can be entertaining. We did it. The mystery and of it. <laughs> I can't wait to watch episode eight of Lovecraft yeah. Country. I'm so excited. Okay. Yes. Me too, and we'll come back with all new popcorn ratings for you. Um, again, we are Real Snobs, and you're probably listening to us on one of the many, many, many platforms that we um, are on now. Um, if you ever are not sure where we are located or where you can listen to us, you the can always slash. find us on Anchor the at <laughs> anchor.fm uh, forward slash or backslash, whatever and that I'm slash is. Real snobs. Good night, y'all.